me open in prayer for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that there is none like you. Father, I pray that you would speak through me this evening. I surrender to you. I surrender my will. I surrender my mind. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my words. Take control, Holy Spirit, in this moment. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. So we are reaching the conclusion uh, of our reach week. Uh, my first reach week I experienced was here. I was in 2018. Um, I was here for the School of Campus Ministry and Church Planting, and it was an amazing week that for me was just so life-changing. It was so amazing just being in a room with a citywide church where we can pray together, we can worship together, all with the same heart and the same mind that God is going to reach the nations and that he is going to use us. And when I experienced that, I wanted to go back home. At the time, I was still at Every Nation Campus Vits. And I was like, guys, we have to do this. Not just reach night or reach week, but we have to go into the nations. So that when we have those moments, it is because we are obedient to what God is calling us to do. And so this evening, we're going to speak about the inescapable mandate. The reason why it's inescapable is because everywhere you look, it's nations. As you walk out the venue, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, as you interact with us as leaders, it's nations. Cut me and I will bleed nations. Cut Anna up into pieces and all you'll see is flags just flowing out of her. There's no blood at all. It's just flags of the nation simply because she has a strong heart for the nations. We cannot escape this mandate from Genesis to Revelation. God is always talking about nations. Even though he's using the Israelite people and using the Israelite community, he is calling them to nations. It is not just about the Israelites, but it is about nations. When God in Genesis, uh, Genesis 2, when he says, fill and subdue the earth and have authority, rule and reign alongside God, God had this in mind that the Garden of Eden would just, wouldn't just be there, but it would expand into the nations. In Genesis 12, we see the same thing. God say, go to the nation that I will sh show you, and I will bless you so that you can bless the nations. This is at the core of God's heart. This is at the core of the gospel, is that you cannot receive the gospel without receiving a heart for the nations. It is part of the package. And a lot of times, because of our experiences in the past at church, so I grew up in a, in a Methodist church back home, and I thought I had Christianity figured out. I basically come to a point where I put God in a box. And in this box, I thought God can only do these things. And so when I encountered something, encountered something else, I rejected it. I resisted it because in my mind, this is who God is. He fits in this box. And whenever I read scripture, I went with that box in mind and I read it like that. Even though I'd see nations in the scriptures, I would not respond to it because it does not fit in that box. Have you ever done that? Where you come on a Sunday and you hear a sermon and you're like, that does not fit in my box, therefore I will not accept that message. That's not what God is calling us to do. Let's take God out of that box. Because God cannot be contained in a box. God cannot be even contained in the scriptures of the Bible. I mean, in the, in the words of the Bible. Simply because it overflows into the presence of God. Which touches every single area of our lives. So this evening we're going to be reading through uh, Psalm 67. Uh, and could you please stand with me as we read the word? It says, 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. I didn't expect you guys to read with me, but thank you for that. <laughs> Come on. Verse 1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And then in verse 2 it says, that. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see the word that, whatever came before that has a purpose. And the purpose of verse 1 I'm going to read verse 1 again. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That, so the purpose of that sentence is that, that God's way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all the nations. And I want to labor a bit on verse 1. May God be gracious to us. This is a call for salvation. When the author was writing this text, he was calling for God, save me. Be gracious to us. Be gracious to us as the Israelite community. Because we don't always get things right, but God, we need your grace. Because grace isn't just there for the forgiveness of sins, but grace empowers us to live the life that God has called us to live. And when they say, God, bless us, they had Genesis 12 in mind. That the blessing isn't just about us as the Israelite community, but the blessing is for the nations that are around us so that they may see that there is a God in heaven who provides. There's a God in heaven who does exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. There's a God who is in heaven who is good. There's a God who is in heaven who is a creator, who created us in his image, who created us out of a place of love, who created us out of a place of joy. They want the nations to see that God because the nations are serving a different God. And make his face shine upon us. That is a very intimate thing to ask of God. That God, I want to see your face. This afternoon, on our way back, we decided to stop um, at Debengeni Falls uh, in Zanin. And the falls were just roaring and the water was going down. And it was just like, this is an amazing time. And as I'm standing, my wife is walking ahead of me. And then she starts speaking. And I couldn't hear her. I was like, babe, wait, 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 please turn around. Let me behold your face so that I can hear the words that are coming from you. And when she spoke, I heard her because <coughs> I was looking at her face. I was paying attention to her face. I was eager to hear the words that are coming out of her mouth. Sometimes when we go to God, in the noise of life, everything is distracting us. And we just walk ahead of God, and when God is speaking, we don't hear him. This is a moment for us to pause, to turn around, and to look and see the face of God. I was speaking earlier on this week uh, with Anna, Cordelia, and Yanni. So for those of you who don't know Anna, Cordelia, and Yanni, they are sisters. Um, they had 
a different experience into coming into salvation. They all had a different discipleship journey. They all have a different call on their lives. But there is one thing that is consistent amongst the three of them, is that they love God and they have a heart for the nations. And I sat down with them and I asked them, I'm like, guys, how is this possible? Because usually when you see families and, and siblings specifically, everyone is doing their own thing. And usually if there's someone who's part of the family business most of the time, it's because they, they, they were forced to be part of it. They had no say because like, they are the firstborn. So therefore, you have to stay on the farm and take care of the farm, even though you have your own dreams and aspirations and things that you would like to do. But I found it so strange that this family, they have one heart and one mission and one thing, one thing that they are focused on, and that is to preach Jesus to the nations. And I was just asking, guys, how is this possible? Because it does not make sense. And the answer was simple, is that they sought the face of God. They were insistent upon seeing God's face. They were insistent upon experiencing the power of the gospel. They were insistent on hearing from God. Anna, because of seeking God's face, went to Mozambique and started sharing the gospel in Mozambique. And now we have an overnation Maputo simply because God's face shined upon her and she was looking at it and she was intentional to seek out God's face. Gordia who was a, house, uh, was a housewife raising her kids, was seeking God's face and decided to respond the call, to the call to go to Mbombela so that the students of TUT Mbombela would know God. It all started with wanting to see God's face. Gideon, again, he comes and he shares a testimony about his uh, uh, students from the DRC that he met on campus, that he led to the Lord. They baptized him in water. They baptized him in the Holy Spirit. And immediately after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, guess what he said? He said, I feel like God is calling me to go back to the DRC to proclaim the good news to them so that they can experience what I have experienced. This is something that he wasn't taught by anyone. Anna wasn't taught to have a heart for the nations. A heart for the nations can only be caught. It can be caught when you are focusing on the face of God. One of the things about cricket, who here watches cricket? Who has ever watched cricket? Who knows what cricket is? There we go. Thank you. <laughs> One of the things about cricket that if you've ever noticed is when the, when the bowler is about to bowl the ball, the fielders are all standing like this. They are all watching the ball. And as soon as the batsman hits the ball, they start taking steps forward. They're anticipating. They're watching. They're looking. They want to see where the ball will go. Will the ball come in my direction? Will the ball come in my area of the pitch? Why? because they want to catch the ball. It is the same with seeking God's face and asking God to shine his face upon us. Is that as we focus on God's heart, he will give us the gospel, but the gospel comes with nations deeply embedded in it. That You cannot receive the gospel without having a heart for the nations. There are times when I come to church on a Sunday, and it's just to tick a box, because I work for the church, it's easy for me to come and be an employee of God rather than a child of God. <coughs> and then I leave the service. Yeah, no, that was, it was an okay service. The word was okay. The worship was okay. Then my wife asked me, how was the service? I'm like, yeah, you know, the, the service was just okay. Uh, Wesley preached, you know, Miriam sang. <laughs> and there was a moment where I had to actually catch myself. Where I'm like, wow. 
actually now church has become a chore. I'm no longer coming to church to hear what God is saying. And when God wants to move, I resist him simply because I'm here as an employee of God. I'm wearing that hat, and I'm not here as a child of God ready to seek his face so that his face shines upon me. But this scripture is for us as a church, that when we're coming to church, are we all saying, God, shine your face upon us. We want to catch your heart. We want to catch what it is that you are doing this evening. Because every Sunday actually has eternal significance. We don't come to church to keep you busy on a Sunday. There is something eternally significant each and every single Sunday that God has for you. And if you are not coming with an open heart and ready to receive what God is doing, you will miss out on the adventure of a lifetime. And what I love most about the scripture is that it's just an open and an honest prayer to say, God, be gracious. God, bless us. God, shine your face upon us. And then the pressure now is on God to do those things that we have asked. The pressure is not on you to have a heart for the nations. The pressure is on God to give you the heart for the nations. But are you open and willing to receive what God is saying about nations? Are you open and willing to receive what God is saying about you? and your role in the nations. I believe that in this room, there's someone who's studying accounting who's supposed to be a missionary. Not go into full-time vocational ministry, but you know you can be an accountant in the Netherlands and serve God and see the lost being saved. Do you know you can be a doctor in the Middle East and serve God and serve faithfully as a doctor and see people coming to Christ? Your job isn't just for you. Your job isn't just for your family. Yes, you benefit. Yes, your family benefits. But the nations need to benefit from your job. Young adults in the this, in this service this evening, are you guys still asking how you can bless the nations through your job? Or is it just about you now that now you need to get married? You need to buy a house. You need to start investing finances. You need to do all those. And all those things are good. I'm not saying they are bad. They are good. But are you still open and willing to receive what God has to say about nations? God wants to move in the nations, and he wants us as a church to be a part of it. When Wesley and Niani responded to the call to go to Mozambique, it wasn't just their win. It was our win as a church because this is what God has called us to do. In verse 2, it says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Earlier on this year, I went on a mission to uh, in Bombela to go and support Korea. It was the most frustrating mission I've ever been on. It was really hard. I won't lie, it was really hard. And I left that mission feeling so discouraged and wondering, God, did I even have an, an impact in that? And then a few weeks ago, we had the campus conference, and I saw some of the students that we reached out to and they were there. They were worshiping God. They were basically doing verse 3. Verse 3 says, verse 3, please. <laughs> uh, verse 3 says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse 4, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. 
I didn't know what my obedience was going to do, but I went and I shared. Ben was there with me as well. Talia was there, and we were sharing the gospel. It was so frustrating because we weren't seeing the kind of response that we wanted to see. But God was busy doing work in the background. Our role was just to share the gospel. Our role was just to share what God is doing. And it was on God to convict them of who he is. It was on God to bring them to the campus conference so that they can sing for joy and worship and praise God for who he is. When we went to the students after the campus conference, because we were so amazed, because it, we were like, from what we experienced of you on the mission versus what you are now, what happened? And all they could say is like, we had an encounter with God and we just wanted more of him. They encountered so God, God in such a deep way that they're going back on campus and they're saying, man, we want to see every other student on our campus worship God. But that would not have happened had we not heard the voice of God and responded to him and actually go and preach to them. And so we have this opportunity to take God out of that box and actually hear from God what he is calling us to. Throughout the New Testament, Acts 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This power to be a witness is that we are called to be experiential witnesses of what God has done. We need to be in a position to receive and experience what God is doing so that we can share that, not only in the nations, but even in our, in our, on our campus, even in our workplace as well. God wants to move. God wants us to experience him. God wants us to see his face. In Mark, Mark 16 verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go. The message is consistent that we ought to be going into the nations. Luke 24, verses 46 to 47, it says, And said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. John 20, verse 21 says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. God wants to move amongst the nations. God wants to move amongst our family. Are you open and willing to receive what God has for you? And so as we close, I want us to pray. I want us to pray a dangerous prayer. Very simple prayer, but a very dangerous prayer. If you here are like, man, I've been coming to this church. I still don't get this nations thing. I still don't get this discipleship thing. I want you to be bold enough to pray and tell God that, hey, God, I don't get it. God will not fall off his throne. God will not stop being king. But God is a loving father. God is a gentleman. God is waiting to have that conversation with you where you go to God and say, God, I actually don't get this. Help me understand. So that's the first prayer. The second prayer is, 
for us to actually pray and say, God, where, which nation do you want me to pray for? Which nation do you want me to give towards in terms of missions? And which nation are you calling me to go to?